Leaders come in all different shapes, sizes, and styles. There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Our goal is to connect with those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others, to learn about their unique style, and to provide our listeners with inspiration to lead. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. We have a very great friend, I guess uh, even a better person. We'll go there. Hey, that's so nice. Someone who is an avid supporter of all things Mercy High School. And you see, you'll see your kid roaming around at Xavier High School as well uh, for some, some events. Today's guest on the Lead with Empower podcast is Annie Drury. She is the Dean of Students at Mercy High School here in Middletown. Supposed to be finishing up your second year, but almost 20 years, 19. Yeah, thanks, Jen. Thanks. We won't tack on too many extra years here. Almost 20 years as a teacher and administrator at Mercy High School. That is accurate. Annie, thank you so much for coming on. How the heck are yeah. you? I am doing all right. I'll tell you, quarantine life uh, has been a little rough, as it has been for all of us, but we do what we got to do. And this actually has been like the highlight of my week. So I'm here all excited. I even did my newscaster makeup, even though it won't be filmed. That's a little eye candy just for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I, I, did, I hope I did the same for you. Yes, absolutely. That baby in, face, that clean shave. <laughs> I'm in my, uh, my new clothing routine of, of sweatpants and a hooded sweatshirt that mm -hmm. I've, uh, I've been on a hot streak with these past uh, six, seven weeks. So well, you're rocking it from the neck up. You look just great. Crushing it. It's all about the headphones, Annie. All about the headphones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got your fake beats on. I love it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all, but health wise, all good? All good. Yeah, yeah all good. Hanging um, in there. That's all we could all do, right? That's it. Do the best that we can. It's not, a, not the ideal situation for anybody. So, right. We are uh, deep into the distance learning situation. How how is that going so far at Mercy High School? What kind of impact, uh, input and feedback are you getting from the students, the faculty, and staff so far? You know, that's funny you ask because I just sent out an email to our faculty. Um, when I became dean of students, I implemented something called a Macaulay Merit, um, and Catherine Macaulay is our foundress, the foundress of the Sisters of Mercy. So we print up little cards, and when our girls do something exemplary. Or, I mean, it could be they, that you see somebody drops their pen in the hallway and they go back and pick it up for a kid. You know, like little things like that we like to celebrate and, and note those kids. So we've extended it into uh, our virtual world right now. Yep. So we give out virtual merits. Nice. And I just explained and gave our entire faculty and staff uh, one big virtual Macaulay merit because I just cannot tell you. Um, I think the words I use with them is that, you know, the cohesiveness that Mercy High School has had, even though we have kind of been ripped apart. I mean, literally, that's how it was. When we left that day, we, we didn't think we'd be sitting here uh, on April 30th still behind computer screens. So um, the cohesiveness from a village of people who are so tight-knit and used to depending on each other for a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know Mercy and Xavier, you've been a part of the community. So the fact that they have stepped up in the fashion that they have and mastered the um, academic aspect of this remote learning, I attribute so much to our Dean of Academics and Technology Melissa Bullock. She had the foresight before probably any other school in Connecticut to establish um, Teams. I don't know if you use Microsoft Teams. And she had everything. She had classrooms broken down. We had a day dedicated to teach teachers basically yep. how to learn to teach remotely. So, you know, you're dealing with teachers who've been at it for 50 years having to now 
learn a new way of teaching. And so uh, the teachers have knocked it out of the park. The students were on board from the get-go as well. It's a challenge, especially, mm -hmm. you, you know, we're looking going on two months here. Um, so we have our challenges, but I've had to make a few virtual uh, mean dean quarantine visits. <laughs> You know, I get that they see me calling and, and they probably have to roll out of bed and look like they've been awake in class and, you know, but it, it hasn't been difficult as far as motivating them. It's becoming a little more difficult, as you know, because yep. the days get longer, the novelty of this is worn off, um, but our kids are resilient and they are putting forth their best effort every single day. So, I mean, in, in that aspect, we're knocking it out of the park academically. We're trying to keep spirits up, yep. keep doing little challenges, whether it's, you know, here, draw, who could draw the best picture of Mr. Butterly? Yeah, I, get, I love it. It entertains me. I get to see, <laughs> they, they really nailed his luscious long locks <laughs> in their sketches. I could send you a few after if you'd like. Oh, please do. Please yeah. do. <laughs> it's so that yeah in the beginning I think for students and I, I've been out of high school for quite some time but it, I think they, it was seen almost as that allure of like oh days off that we didn't expect yeah and then a couple months in it's because yeah. I'm feeling it as an adult I know you're feeling it as an adult yeah. so I can only yeah. imagine a 15 well, 16 year old going through it yeah and, and especially you know uh, I I spent most of my day I don't really like to admit my vulnerable moments but you know yesterday just thinking about our kids the mm -hmm. seniors especially um just what they're what they're missing out on the things that they have looked forward to their entire lives their parents um you know you have as a child that image of you walking across the stage and kind of just solidifying years and years of hard work um, and, and they know it's not going to be that. They know yep. it's not going to be that traditional vision. Yep. And uh, I'll tell you, that is hard. That yep. above anything else, above the pain in the neck that technology is and sitting on conference calls with people you don't even, you can't see their faces. They don't know how to work it, which is me half the time. Um, <laughs> you know, that stuff, that stuff you could deal with, but to think about just the well-being and the the emotional uh, toll it's taken on these kids has probably been the hardest. And there's nothing we could do about it as adults. Yep. You I know? mean, I think you touched on some. I mean, trying to do some of the stuff online on social, trying to you know make sure. You know, I'm sure the teachers are doing a tremendous job of of staying in contact with the students, but it's so it's not an arm around somebody. It's not letting somebody sit in right. your office and and get right. stuff off their chest. And that's, that's, that's a challenge for young ones, especially. And, and Mercy's, like I said, uh, Melissa Bullock was so on top of it that we've been fortunate. We've been instructing through uh, video. Yep. So our teachers are actually every day, we have advisor group every day at 8.30. The kids have to be, you know, signed on. We keep attendance. Uh, they, do, they do attend classes where the teachers have their computers up and running. And to be honest with you, it's, um, it's so impressive, like I said, to, that they've retaught how to teach. Yep. And I learned uh, my wife is much smarter than I am from an academic standpoint. She taught me synchronous versus asynchronous. Wow. And synchronous is like doing classes all together. Asynchronous yeah, is like, something right yeah, now. So there you go. So you drop those next meeting that you have with some, uh, some big wigs, drop that, drop those words, drop, that word. drop the mic and then walk out of the room. <laughs> but I, I think it is, uh, she, she, she's a teacher and all of her classes are together. They're, they're looking at each other and it's, yeah. uh, I think there's a big plus to that just to have, we don't have the interactions right now. And right. to have that, I think, you know, again, especially for the, the teens in these formative years to be able to look up and see familiar faces, even though they might be down in the dumps, there's yep. going to be moments that you can smile and laugh. And that's, that's right. important right now. It sure is. And that is what we're trying to just get through yep. right now. It's like, we're in the, the phase 
these seniors are done in 14 days. And, you know, to try to just give them any sort of hope, yep. any sort of something to look forward to, other than looking at the, the walls in their house and, you know, like I do, the squirrels out, oh, look, they're building their nest. I told you, Dan. It's great. I don't even need a TV. It's like having like a animal planet right here in my home kitchen. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, Annie's excited to be on talking to people today. Annie, and right. man, I she, love you to death. She's on fire right now. Oh, man, if you, if you were even a statue right now, like <laughs> some sort of robot, I'd be totally engaged. <laughs> one of the things in leadership we you know there's such there's things that are always out of our control right mm -hmm. and you know our attitude going into those types of situations can determine what we are like when we get out of those types of situations what yeah. what is one thing you hope the students at mercy high school when this is all said and done and they're back to some semblance of normalcy yeah what do you hope that the mercy high school students take away from this really difficult experience? I would say that hope and faith are the most important and essential things that, you know, human beings have. And I try to remind our girls of that every single day is that right now, you know, our lives are flipped upside down and, you know, we're inconvenienced and we're making sacrifices. Um, but in the big picture, in the big picture, you know, ultimately life is about being happy. Life is about relationships. Um, and as much as it hurts right now to not have these memorable experiences that they typically would have, yeah. they're going to come out of this. They won't know it. We, you know, I'll say it to them and it sounds cliche uh, that they'll come through this stronger, but you and I being, you know, at our, ripe old twilight ages here um we we have a little more trust in that that they are going to come out of this stronger um and not take things for granted and it's again to avoid sounding cliche um it's just an unthinkable unimaginable once in a lifetime hopefully historical time that we're living through but the fact that they get to sit and witness people working together to get through the day, to get to a better tomorrow, to get to a better, you know, next week even. Yep. You know, that hope and faith gets you through that next day. Uh, that's my prayer for these kids. And that the memories and the events that they're missing, you know, those will be replaced by bigger and better things that will ultimately fulfill <laughs> them in the big picture agree agree 100 percent great yeah. awesome answer Thanks. yeah tell her she's on fire the hot streak continues here yeah, i gotta i gotta get more views than uh dan DeConte and greg jascott so. that's right that's right get it you oh, gotta get it shared, shared with the mercy crew there yeah so we're gonna do a little backtracking right here you are the second youngest out of 10 siblings and the best looking so <laughs> The smartest, the most athletic. Yep. The list yep. goes on and on and on. See, you're on fire too with your accuracy. <laughs> a lot of, I, I just read your profile on the Mercy website. All this stuff is right there. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I'm one of three, and I look back on my childhood experience, and I had you know, a lot of positive memories and things that I learned from that. Yeah. Looking back on yours, one of 10. Yeah. What are some, you didn't realize this when you were coming up, but what are some things that you learned from being in that situation from a leadership standpoint that you feel like you carry with you today as a Dean of Students at Mercy High School? I'll tell you, that is a great question. And I reflect on that a whole lot in my life. Uh, I'm fortunate, you know, being able to sit back and you do get lost in the mix when you're the second youngest and <laughs> You know, you're, my, my father was a sports editor for over 30 years. Um, so when he was out and about at Super Bowls and, you know, uh, basketball championships and stuff, my mom had to handle all of us pretty much on her own. Yep. And so I had to occupy my, my time a lot 
by myself outside playing with neighbors. Um, but I also got to sit back and take in a lot of their experiences and you do witness their triumphs, you yep. witness their anguish, their struggles, um, and you're a part of it. And you don't know you're learning from them when you're in the moment, um, but you do. And that stuff resonates and doesn't leave you. And that's why I know, you know, you were an athlete, you, you come from a very strong family. Those things make you who you are as every day passes. You know, we're not done growing until we're six feet under. We, yep. We're working at this and every person we meet near, far, the person that you pass, you know, or you let go in traffic, you let them go before you, every single person you encounter is part of your journey and, and builds your character. So I was very fortunate to have my siblings to, to observe, to watch, you know, to uh, have their significant others, their children become such important staples in my life, um, which has helped me tremendously with my job, yep. you know, which is kids, students, in the most vulnerable years of their life where these de developmental times, you know, that, that's where your life kind of goes one way or the other. Yep. And to be able to be that person that you needed when, when we were young, you know, I'm sure you have people that, that were there for you. Yep. Without a doubt. Be it coaches, your parents, your aunts, your uncles, uh, your teachers, you know, and, and I always try to remember that and keep that at the forefront of my prayer when I wake up in the morning is to think back at the people who have influenced me for good or for bad. Yep. Um, you know, because the, the bad, the negative, you also sift through that, you filter through that. Um, and that's what you choose not to, to be. Yep. That's how you choose not to treat somebody. Um, so yeah, it, it's been a blessing to have that many people who I just get to, hey, you messed that up. Guess what? I'm not going that route. <laughs> it's like your, your own learning laboratory. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is our, is everybody somewhat local or is everybody spread out quite a bit or what's, what's the story yeah. there? Uh, we are all pretty, I mean, we're, we're Waterbury people. Uh, we all went to Waterbury public schools. Um, and so I think that in itself has also contributed to what I think, you know, my family, I consider very um, down to earth, you yeah. know, when you grow up in an inner city and you go through the public school system and you see, you know, that people struggle and life is not easy. And to, what, what were you asking me? Oh, it's just, is, is everybody like oh, current really day, local. is everybody? Yes. Yeah, that's great. Um, they've moved, a couple of them have moved to the outskirts, yep. you know, the, the burbs. <laughs> they stepped it up to like prospect, woke it. You know, they, they couldn't hang like I could. I'm still right in Waterbury. Um, my sister, my father, uh, two of my, three of my city. Yeah, yeah, basically Waterbury. The farthest one lives in Willamette. Oh, wow. So that, not, that's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. And that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I grew up in Middletown. I, you know, went to Xavier after going to Middletown schools and then went up to, to Springfield College. And that was looking back on it again, uh, you know, as I'm getting, as I'm old, it, it was great growing up in it. It was, it was a diverse environment. It's a diverse environment in yeah. Middletown. And that was, it taught me a lot as a young kid yeah. where, yep, I, I look different. This person looks different, but we're all playing together. We're all sharing class. And it's, it prepared me for so much, I think in life. So like, I can understand where you're coming from with yeah. that. And when you're a kid, you don't, it doesn't matter. You doesn't Not at all. It's like, is this kid awesome to, you know, will they yep. catch me at the bottom of the slide? Will, will they have a catch with me? You know what I mean? Will they share their sweet tarts? Great. Friends for life. Friends for life. <laughs> the oh, sweet tarts yeah. are the clincher. <laughs> so Waterbury, you went to Mercy as a student. We'll get into that in a second, but uh, you made the jump. We're going to bounce all over the place a little bit. You taught at Mercy for quite a bit of time. And then, yeah. you know, in uh, at the start of the 2018, 2019 school year, you made the jump to the Dean of Students position, which 
um, in my mind, that is one of the most, it can be one of the most challenging positions at a high school because you're not necessarily seeing students at their best moments, right? You're seeing the students when there's maybe an issue that they don't want to remember, that they don't want to talk about. Right. What was the motivation for you to go from being a classroom teacher to this, what a lot of people consider a more challenging position? You know, Dan, my road wasn't very easy myself, you know, um, my, again, when you grow up in a, a big Irish Catholic family and uh, you, you are exposed to, when, when you have that many people, you love more people, there's more hurt involved, there's more loss, there's, you know, more strife and struggle. So, like I said to you before, having people who were there to help me navigate through those difficult years where I, I was on the verge of going down the wrong path. Yep. And thank God for Mercy High School, you know, that got me back on the, the right track. I think, I don't know. I'm, You're doing all right. It's questionable. <laughs> Mr. Mary will probably tell you I'm still off in the woods somewhere. <laughs> but... <laughs> Her, her famous line to me in high school was always when I, when I got in trouble a little bit, a lot of it, but that's for, that'll be another podcast. Yeah, well, then um, we got to have episode two at some point. <laughs> yeah, we'll make that one a private episode. Um, but it was always, you know, it's it's very, it's my way or the highway. Yep. And um, there were times where I literally tried to take the highway, but Waterbury is quite a hike for Middleton. <laughs> so I had no choice but to follow the mercy way yeah. um, and people carefully instructed me people did not judge me through my faults and my own you know struggles and conversed with me whereas I had never really had that growing up in the Waterbury public school system I mean I, I again I come from a very strong faith-filled family but when there's that many you, there's not the attention to yep. give to one kid to rear them and to mold them and to shape them and to keep, you know, tabs on them all the time. So I kind of got lost in the mix and, um, you know, it took people like the people at Mercy, like the people at Xavier. And I do incorporate Xavier into my life's journey. Yep. I've met, you know, tremendous people through my years as a student, through teaching administration um who like i said carefully instruct yeah you know people who don't talk at you they don't tell you what to do they show you how to do it they tell you uh you know your options and yeah. this is going to happen if you put in the effort this is going to happen if you don't yeah um and so when i assume this position it felt very natural it was a very natural transition um because I dedicate my life to making sure that every kid who wants it, because not all kids do want it. Some kids yep. don't care, you know? I could sit down and have a heart to heart and think I make a, a this, you know, big life impacting speech that they're, they're going to turn around and, you know, go save the world and go to medical school. And it, some kids, it's just not for them. Yep. But my job is to at least present them with the opportunity to give them the tools, to give them the support, um, to give them the real spiel about yeah. what life is and, and really to have a conversation and, and just treat them as the individual. You know, be there as a, a, a guide, a support, so they don't feel alone, so they don't feel like people have given up on them. Um, and so that's why I do it. It's, it, it is hard. It's, it, it's not an easy job. It is, um, it's often days where you, you leave in tears feeling like helpless, kind of like we all do right now in this awful state of, you know, our, our situation with the pandemic. You can't um, get through to every kid, but if you get through to a few, who knows, one day you'll be sitting on, they could be sitting on Dan Jaskot's podcast. You know, like, you know? Oh, you're too funny. What do I like Beyonce or Michelle Obama? 
<laughs> I'll let you be the judge of that at the end of this. Yes, we definitely have to, we have to get to the finish line before final grades are announced. Okay, okay, that's good. <laughs> now, and you brought up some great points, and I, in in your position, and and I think as a dean of student anywhere, a lot of times you're going to have the impact, but you might not see it in that immediacy right after the conversation, maybe. Right. Um, but again, looking back on those moments where I maybe veered offline and there was like, oh, this guy's busting my chops again. Why? And then now I'm like, yeah, they, they were right. I yeah. learned from that. Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. You know, and, and that's part of hope and faith is, and there are days you do have to come down really hard on kids. And, you know, you walk away and you say, oh, it was like too hard. Or what are you going to take away from it? And um, you just put trust in your experiences that you give them what they need. And I'll tell you, more often than not, you hear years later that, oh, geez, Miss Julia, you were right. <laughs> now, like, thank you. Thank you. And that's the most rewarding part of the job is yep. it's not going to be, you're right. It's not going to be immediate. You're not going to have a kid who, you know, is, is troubled or going down the wrong path, walk in your office and then leave in tears because you just had to kind of tell them they had to get their stuff together. Yep. I'm going to come in tomorrow morning and, and be, you know, the version of themselves that you have expectations for. It takes time. That's right. And time that's and experiences. Yep. Right. And it takes, it, it's work. And I, that's what I say to every kid who leaves my office. Listen, here, I presented you with, with my perception. I'm telling you, this is what you, you should probably do. Um, but it's your job to put it into motion. Yep. Like, I can't do that for you. I'll be a support, but you have to put in the work and the kids who want it, do it. Absolutely. Kids who don't, don't. And that's something that again, because we're old, we've just kind of had to accept that that's how life is. Um, kids are going to make choices and they're not always going to be the best ones. And I just say to them, listen, if you want a happy and successful life, and I think that's the ultimate goal on all of our journeys, yeah. then you got to get up every day and make it a point to have a conversation with yourself and say, if I want to get here, I have to work at this every day. Yep. You know, Agree. don't snap the finger. It's not going to be a, yeah. a finger snap. And uh, there it is. It appears. Right. right. Was it your choice to transfer to mercy after your first year or was it a family? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, not at all. So an, a, an instance of the adults knowing better again. Yeah. Those people got nosy. They started seeing that I was failing classes and skipping school. I mean, I was doing fine in my eyes, Dan. I thought I was on the road <laughs> to success. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the higher beings did have to intercede. And, um, my, my family is very close to Sister Mary. Okay. Um, my aunt was best friends with Sister Mary in high school. Again, that'll be for another podcast <laughs> private. Uh, but, so, and our families remained close and her brother actually, we shared property. So from the time, I, I mean, since I, when I was born, they bought their house. So our backyard's connected. So um, again, our families just stayed close. Yep. And she caught wind one day because I was bragging about how my summer softball team won the state championship and this and that. And she said, yeah, well, I don't see any championships happening in the classroom. <laughs> the dagger. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't care. Well, I don't care. I had a great big trophy. Um, and then I was angry because I knew that people were talking about me. Yeah. You know, because you don't interpret that as love at that time. I was angry that people were talking about me. So she had had a conversation with my parents. She had had a conversation with the community, the Mercy, you know, the Sisters of Mercy. Yep. Um, and collaboratively, they decided for some godforsaken reason that 
they were willing to give me a, sco a scholarship, more of like a pity. I think it was like a, a few pity, <laughs> pity coins to give me a shot. Um, so I was told I was going to Mercy from Waterbury. Yep. And I said, no. And nobody says no to Sister Mary McCarthy or my mother. So uh, off I went. I left every single friend behind. I didn't know one person at Mercy. And I got to Mercy. This is a kicker, man. You're going to love this. I went with the custodian. There was one other person from Waterbury who made the commute every day. So oh, okay. He, yeah, yeah. Because my tricycle at 14 years old, it wouldn't, it wouldn't get me past Meriden. So didn't have great mi gas mileage on those yeah. back then. <laughs> and I couldn't get you know my brothers to share their BMX bike, which probably would have done the job. So I had to jump in the car with Fred. Um, and my father would drive me across town at 5.30 in the morning. Oh. Yeah, no kidding. And from there, I would drive with Fred to Mercy, get there about two and a half hours before school. Um, uh, went to school. I was on academic probation. I had to check in with Sister Mary twice a day. She <laughs> knew I was still in the building. Um, I could not play sports, which that was my life. That was my identity. Yeah. Uh, that's how I kind of, uh, being a Drury, you know, because when you're one of 10 and your father's a sports editor, your name gets out there. I think I kind of just was pushed through the system. Um, <laughs> but that did not fly at Mercy because nope. nobody knew who the hell a Drury was. <laughs> I, I Trust me, I tried. But, you know, it took, like I said, careful instruction. Um, and I wanted to play division one softball that had been a dream of mine since I was, since I picked up a ball and that I think is what motivated me to say, you know what, I'm not going to fail at this. I want this. It was the one thing that I was in control of. Yep. So, I mean, I fought it for a while. I hated mercy first, probably five months I was there. Um, and it was a daily battle but I kept in the back of my mind my ultimate goal so I went from having to take multiple courses over yep <laughs> and my students are gonna love this they're gonna be like were, you're an idiot why should you, I do you you were you on the six six year plan there oh no I, actually, <laughs> I pulled it together Dan I may have been a senior the only senior in a geometry class uh but I did it I did it so uh, I ultimately was able to play softball, thank God. I got my grades up by softball season. Um, and the rest is history, you know, and I attribute it to, like I said, just the, the mercy mission yep. which is to, to cater to the individual. And it was not easy, and I was not easy, and I fought it. I fought it. There were times, you know, like I said, I literally tried to leave the property because I just, I wanted to go back to what was easy. And what was easy was not doing schoolwork, not bringing books home, skipping school, skipping class. That was easy. Um, and I wanted to go back. But every time somebody was there to say, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> and you're not going to go play Division One softball you probably won't even be able to drive an ice cream truck if that's the road that you want to take. Yep. So I buckled down. I listened to the people. Finally, I call it a surrender. <laughs> I finally, the white flag. <laughs> yep. I waved that sucker and I said, all right. And uh, that was the, the best decision of my life. So you mentioned that you were able to play on the softball team your first, your sophomore year there. Yes. But I, I there's a rumor out there, word, word on the street that. Yeah. I know what you're going to say. The basketball team was a different story. That was a different story, all right. Our, our good friend, I'll call him that. I don't know if you. you I don't know if you do. Cut by the cut, cut by the great Tim Coes on the basketball. What is up with what's up with that? You talking about old Baldy McGee? 
Oh, yeah, that is a funny story. We actually, <laughs> we let, we brought it up in a meeting with a bunch of incoming parents the other day. The two of us got it in it. It was great. Um, yeah, so sister, I did get my grades up to 70s by the time uh, the end of November hit. And sister decided to let me try out. So here I am. I still have no friends. Uh, now, softball had been my thing. I played softball since I was a little girl all the way through middle school. I never played basketball. Uh, sport, gr girls sports, back when we were kids, there wasn't a lot of organized yep. sports for girls. Yep. Now I sound like I'm 108 years old for the love of God. <laughs> but would you back me up on that? Like there, there was not in Waterbury. No, and they, there wasn't a lot anywhere. I, I mean, like softball was definitely an option. Maybe soccer. Not in Waterbury. Yeah, soccer here in town, maybe. But no, the, the, we, I definitely had more choices. Right. So I used to shoot around in the backyard with my brothers, and I was pretty decent. And I played when I went to Wilby High School. Um, but, again, they we didn't even have a varsity basketball team. Okay. We had six girls on a JV team. We'd be lucky if we got three to show up practice today. Yeah. So I just never had the structure of learning. So I showed up for tryouts my sophomore year, and there's TK screaming out plays like Gina Oriema. And I'm sitting there like, I know how to put the basketball in the in the basket. Doesn't that matter? <laughs> Not in TK's world. Had a good, had a good team. They had, a, they had a great team back then. Oh, they won states that year. Yeah. Yeah. No, he made the right decision. It would have been a little bit of a nightmare. It would have been a nightmare. I mean, come on, let's be real, but throw a girl on bone. He could have at least let me, like, sit on the bench. Manager. Yeah, manager. No, he just, whoop, just like that. Like I was split end if he had hair. <laughs> he does not. He's in, uh, he's in, he goes to my same stylist. <laughs> <laughs> what the, what position did you play in softball? I was a catcher. Best position in baseball and softball, hands down. Catcher. Hands down. Yeah. Involved in every play. Yeah. Uh, you get to you know you have to know every position. Um, yeah, that's it. I'll tell you those those were the days. Good so in a good softball program there when you were at Mercy. Yes. Really Excellent. good program. Yep. Excellent. Um, the year before I came, the team went 22-0. and 0. I, Sarah, Sarah Atwell's your cousin? Yep. Ah, my good friend, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. I hope you're listening. Tell all your friends to listen so I get more views than Dan Ducati and Greg Jaskat. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they, they were amazing. And so sophomore year, I came in, and um, I actually played third base because they had uh, – their state championship catcher who was a senior Rita Tata and uh I came in to catch junior year yeah okay All right. so junior and senior year and then from there I played travel softball again uh, I, I attribute being able to do that through people outside of my family my family couldn't they couldn't tote me around the United States to practices and tournaments <laughs> You know what I mean? So people, people stepped up, friends, parents, coaches, um, made sacrifices for me to be able to do that. And uh, that's kind of how I, I was able to fulfill my dream of playing Division One softball. So great, great segue. And I, and I think an important lesson too is that it's okay to need support. It's okay to ask for support if you're putting in the work that you can and yeah. – um, and you have this vision of where you want to get to, and there's a roadblock. Like we can't expect to do it all by ourselves, all on our own, all the time. No, but you got to be appreciative and you got to be grateful. And I will tell you that I always was, I yep. always am to this day. You know, I, whenever I can, I, I thank those people still, you know, I put a picture up on my Facebook the other day of me catching and my catching coach from when I was in uh, high school, he commented, oh, you actually look like a catcher. You know? <laughs> and it's people like that. And I was always grateful. I'm still grateful. 
those are the people who mold and shape you and give you that individual attention that make you believe in yourself when you, you don't, you know, think you have it in you. Yep. From Mercy, you go on to Siena College. Uh, why, why'd you choose Siena? And oh, what was your, what was your field of study there? Beautiful, smartest women go to Siena. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. That's the stock answer. A great answer right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I learned before the podcast that Dan's wife is also a saint. Yeah, they were the saints uh, a couple year or two apart, but uh, same same place yeah. back in the day. Yeah. My wife speaks so highly of her experience. She loves it. She loved it there. Yeah, it was a little different for me. Um, I, I was there for softball. Yep. You know, um, it was a smaller school. It was, uh, again, just it was a little different for me. The, the social aspect of it really wasn't my cup of tea. But the softball part of it is what drove me and kept me there. Um, and I actually went as a battery with my summer ball pitcher. Oh. Yes, Tara, Tara, she's Tara Cruz now, Tara Plour. She played for Cheshire. Um, and so we were a, a dynamic battery during the summer leagues. And then we were you know, opponents, rivals during the school year, you know, Cheshire, Mercy. Cheshire oh, big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we actually got recruited as a battery and we decided to go to Siena together. So it was a team effort, team decision. Team decision. Yeah. Yep. Was it, was it hard for you going from like Mercy where you had a, a lot of guidance in the high school building, right? When the, the double check-ins with sister Mary and, and, going from that situation to the freedom of college, was that a challenge for you? And kind of how'd you work through that challenge? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It is, it's a catch 20, what is it, catch 22? Because yeah, we're say it, wait, hold on, say it with confidence and I'll believe you. Okay, it's a catch 22, <laughs> how's that? Perfect. Gotta make sure I got my numbers right. Dan, when you sit inside for two months by yourself and talk to your cat, it's like, you know, you don't even know if he makes sense. <laughs> so yes, Dan, it was a catch 22. You get, you get, I got so much love and support jammed into three years and literally my life turned for the better in those three years. Um, because I did end up, yeah, I graduated with honors when I left university. Yeah. I was awarded the English department award, which I don't think I even wrote a paper until I got to mercy. I'm just being honest here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, to be let loose into the real world, definitely the challenge definitely was a challenge. Um, because at that point when there's not somebody hovering over you, it really is a hundred percent your choice. Yep. You know, do you sleep through this class? Do you blow off that paper? Um, I did get permission to blow off one paper from my father though. I remember Sienna made it to the NCAA tournament and I had an exam at like eight the next morning. And I said, dad, I don't know what to do. He said, you go to the tournament. <laughs> How often does Sienna College make it into the, the big dance? Not often. You got to so take I, full advantage of that. Come right. on. You can't disobey my dad either. So, <laughs> um, yeah, well, but again, it, it took time. It yeah. took time. I definitely didn't pick up where I left off. I, I left Mercy feeling confident in my academics and my time management, but. It's a whole I, new ball game. Whole new ball game. Yep. I was 17 when I went to college and um, it took, it took a while. But you I had, so, you had that college. softball, the softball kind of not hanging over you, but you had softball as that motivating force still, which is good. Um, yeah. Couldn't yeah. couldn't stray too far off of the straight and narrow. Oh yeah, I mean they 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 keep you in study halls and they get you up at five a.m. for workouts in the off season and you know that lurking hey you lose your scholarship. Yep. That that type of stuff I think you know did have a little <laughs> a little impact on keeping me somewhat focused. Good motivators. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
so you you graduate from Siena and then it was immediately back to Mercy High School. It literally, yeah. Why? I was hired in <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> well, you know how it happens. I really I mean it's it's still still such like a, a surreal blur to me because I graduated. Um I never worked a day in my life other than like I think I tried to bust cables once and, and a customer was rude to me. And I was rude. And I didn't like that very much. So I think that was my first and last day working. <laughs> so my job up until then was to roll around in dirt and yell where to throw the ball to. And so, I, you know, I, I got a job as a receptionist that summer, uh, actually for Sister Mary's brother. Okay. And then I was at work one day and sister called the, the office phone and she said, Annie, um, I just wanted to throw this out there. There's an opening in the English department. And I said, well, why the hell are you telling me this? <laughs> you know, that's great, sister. <laughs> and there was just a long pause and she said, well, I said, I really don't know what you're asking. <laughs> Do you want me to call any of my, my college friends who are yeah. English majors? Yeah. Like my brother, Tom, he, he's a, getting his doctorate in English. Do you want me to hit him up? Um, and she said, no, I'm asking you if you are interested in coming in for an interview. And I said, no, I have never taught in my life. I took one education class at Siena and it was, uh, I, I, it was during softball season. So, I mean, <laughs> you don't go to class if you're a spring athlete. Yeah. Really. Yes, you do students. Yes, you do. A lot of travel though for spring sports, a ton of travel. Ton of travel. Yep. Uh, and I think it was like, I, I did it twice a week. I instructed young elementary schools how to play kickball. That was my teaching experience. So I said no, because I didn't have any confidence in myself. I had no experience. I thought she was crazy. I still think she's crazy, but now for different reasons. Um, crazy awesome. <laughs> we have to make sure we got to get this to her when it's, when it's all said and done. Yeah, let's wait till July 1st after she can't fire me. Yeah, no, no, we're getting there. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, so that she, and I did, I said, sister, I, I mean, I was 21. I was 21, literally two weeks before I was rolling around in dirt. <laughs> and she said, all right, well, then it's not an option. Go home, write your cover letter, get a resume together. You're going to meet with the English department chair at nine o'clock on whatever Thursday morning. Um, if you make it past that, you'll interview with me. I went home, I talked to my parents about it, and they said, why not? Yep. You'll never know if you don't try. My siblings, who are, they were all, they're all public educators. Um, you know, my brother Walter's a principal at Wilkett High School. My other brother's a vice principal at Willoughby High School. They're, everybody's in education. <laughs> so for them to hear me say I was going to be a teacher with out having you know gone through all of that awful struggle and years of schooling they kind of dissuaded me from doing it um but again the the biggest risk i ever took was going to mercy and that risk ended up being the best decision in my life yep. so i said okay let's give it another world let let's take another risk and i did and um I was hired and I put in a lot of work that summer trying to learn how to teach. Yep. But my, uh, my father, thank God, like I said, he, he's a magnificent writer and um, I think he must have passed on some of those genes to, to us children. <laughs> so I, I acquired a passion for writing and for literature and um, the rest is history. When I got in the classroom, it was a challenge, but it was very natural once I was with the girls, you know. It's, it's so relational. Like te teaching is, yes, you have to know content and you have to know strategies, but there's so much of it is relational. And, and that's something I know you do very well. Hey, Dan. 
You're welcome. Kudos. Sister Mary, there's a kudos right there. Yeah. <laughs> Write it down. What's, besides age, what's changed? See, there's a heater. See, I get the kudos. You follow the kudo yeah, up with the heater you. right there. It's a it's good teaching strategy. Yeah. Sneak it in. <laughs> it, what's changed between you as a leader, teacher, administrator, uh, as, a, you know, 22, 23, first or second year teacher to where you are right now? That's a freaking great question. Yeah, we're going deep here into the Yeah, archives. we are. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's hard to answer because I think in life, like you don't really document or keep track of your own growth. Um, or at least I, I just go with people I, I go with like you say my relational skills and personal uh relationships with kids with people and i think you just slowly acquire a way about treating people and um filtering the people that you're dealing with so i guess the the, the greatest change in my leadership um is that i have more patience I don't, uh, you could ask people you might talk to. I don't know, Dan. They say, you know, I, I have a tendency to be impatient and sometimes stubborn if I'm passionate about something. Um, and I think I've worked very hard at understanding that that's the way I feel, but that's not necessarily the way other people feel. Yep. So you do have to cater to those different personalities and um, learning styles and even with teachers, you know, like their needs and, and things like that. So I think just being more aware of that I am not the, I'm not always going to be right. Yep. <laughs> um, it does, it is beneficial to listen to people. I think also that I've learned to not be such a reactor because that's easy to do, especially, yep. you know, when you're dealing with so many people, when you're working in a high school, there's so many different personalities and, and so many different dynamics. And um, when you react, that's probably when you have regret yep. and things aren't handled correctly. So I think taking a step back and assessing all factors before making a decision that's going to impact a student, a teacher, you know, uh, a fellow administrator. Great. No, great answer. Is it? it is. And know. even though you tried to, you tried to skirt the, the answer, you tried to skirt it for the first half of it, but you did a yeah. good job coming back. Thank Just you. like your high school career, tough start. You come back hot. Hey, you come back strong. Yep. You've mentioned, I have a running tally over here. You've mentioned Sister Mary 17 You're such times. a liar. You can't even count that high. I can't. <laughs> 15s as far as I go. Um, Sister Mary's done after this year. Oh, she's not done. Well, she's retired. Officially, the official phrase is retired, but she's, okay. we know she's not going to be done. But Right, right. Well, I mean, because she's got a lot of life left in her, and she's got different visions. Oh, goodness, yes. You know what I mean? So, um, but from the I, headmaster position, yes, headmistress, headmistress. I'm sorry, no, I'm kidding. She does not call herself that. All right, Sister Mary, we'll leave it at Sister Mary is retiring from her current role. Yes, July 1 will be the first day without Sister Mary. Here comes the d deep one here, right here. Okay, so I'm ready. You what, you've, and in all seriousness, she's been a big part of your life for beyond i think your time at mercy high school what does what has she meant to you oh geez dan yeah. I, you know what i i have had time to put these thoughts together because i was asked to be a uh speaker at her retirement party oh so you had some oh. uh, some advanced intel on the question yeah. there. but now that that's pushed off till probably like i don't know 2097 or something <laughs> um that i those thoughts have drifted a little bit but i will bring i'll bring it back in for you here what has she what was the question what has she what, what has she meant to you as a as a person as a leader as a mercy 
you're you're a mercy right now. You you're you're a face I of am. it. What has she meant to you? Uh Sister Mary again, when I speak of the people who carefully instructed me, um, and beyond my own family, obviously, my, yeah. my mother, my father, my siblings, um, my aunt, my uncle, those, those are the, the staples of my foundation and my core. Um, but beyond that, Sister Mary would be the most influential person in my life and um, was essential and not always appreciated by me. Let me tell you that. <laughs> we, we battled, um, but she was very real. And she never gave up on me when I even gave up on myself. And again, that sounds very cliche, but it's true. And um, sometimes it would take closing her office, principal office door and ripping me a new one for yeah hours straight uh, and I would yell right back at her <laughs> which she gave me permission to do which I loved she said as long as we're behind closed doors you say what's on your mind so I respected that uh, most of the time <laughs> but she 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 guided you know what I mean like she she gave me the big picture she she laid down the line of reality Annie, you're smart. I'd say, no, I'm not. Because I didn't think I was smart. I still don't think I'm smart. And she still would really yell at me if you heard me say that. But um, <laughs> she put people on me. I don't mean on me physically. You know what I no, mean? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. She put her tr her most trusted people. The watchdogs. The watchdogs um, to monitor and to make sure that I was okay. Um, and so I've taken a lot of my leadership qualities from her. Um, she, she rules with an iron fist. She is a no joke type of a leader. Um, she's tough. She tells it like it is, but there's a compassionate side to her that I think only the, the general public and, and most people don't see mm -hmm. in her. Um, that I was privy to and very fortunate to have had that. Uh, so it was, it was a lot of tough love. Still is. <laughs> Still is. Um, but to be able to witness the way that she handled people, that she was able to do it with uh, an iron fist, but always bring it back to a very real and human level and, and compassion was always at the core of the ultimate decision being made. Um, I think is is what she did for me, what she means to me. I mean, you can't put that into words. No. When somebody steps into your life and gives you the attention that you so desperately needed to put you in the right direction and to keep you there. Because a lot of people could come into your life and say, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this. But when times get tough, you know, they they're not on the other end of the phone. Yeah. Yep. And that was never the case. There were times, like you said, the transition into college where it'd be midnight and I'd be, you know, at the end of my road and thinking I couldn't do it. And I'd call her and she'd say, yes, you can do it. <laughs> yes, you can do it. Grow up. Stop being a baby. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're no different than anybody else. So get the job done. And if I hear differently, you're going to have to answer to me. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, she scared the crap out of me a lot too, Dan. Maybe that's what did it. <laughs> yeah, I just scared of her. That's but, awesome. No, she, I, owe her, I owe her a lot. I know um, I put my own work in. I would never say that I owe her my success. Um, but she definitely is somebody that I will forever hold very dear to me. And she will, as you say, when she's done, <laughs> um, I think that her instruction will live on in me and every kid that I encounter, you know, will get a little piece of McCarthy because she was so instrumental in, in my rearing, in my education, 
um, and everything on the upswing. That's great point. And it highlights a, uh, uh, a concept of leadership that is not all often, you know, taught or thought about is, you know, we call it the, the leadership legacy. And it's like, what, what a person leaves behind at a physical place when, you know, whether it's they move on or, or whatever it might be. And she's left a hell of a legacy at Mercy High School. And it's, I mean, at Xavier for that matter, yeah. um, you know, indirectly, but yeah, tremendous person, tremendous leader. Yeah. High standards. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind, authentic. You, you mentioned she was real and that's a, you know, definitely. Well, she's a Waterbury girl. Yeah. <laughs> Neil O'Leary's the mayor of Waterbury. I'm giving Waterbury lots of shout outs. <laughs> hey, um, well, last, last question here. And this is a, a short and sweet one. Just a quick message to the, the Mercy uh, students, faculty, staff, family from one of the fearless leaders in the building. What I have to say to them right now? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, quick message. A quick message. Shout out. Yeah, you've been shouting out Waterbury the whole time. We got to get some <laughs> love and mercy here. <laughs> well, I will tell you, like I, I had told the student this morning, I, pulled, I had to go bring my sister her birthday gift today. And we accepted a student yesterday. And our uh, admissions director set up a, a conference with our director of school counseling herself and invited me in a meeting. And I actually pulled off the highway just for this meeting. Um, and I think it's very real to this question. And I sat there and I joined the meeting and I said, God, I got to tell you, Molly, you just made the best decision of your life because you're about to embark on a journey with people who are gonna love you so much. They are gonna be your biggest fans. They are going to support you in every capacity, on every level, academically, emotionally. And I'm not just saying it to you, because I've lived it. Um, I said, right now, I'm sitting here, I cried all day yesterday, just because I can't be with my students. Mm -hmm. Because that's how much we love our school. Um, so welcome. And it's been the most amazing and life-changing experience. And it's fulfilled me as a person thus far. I mean, I am only 40 years old. I got a long way to go. <laughs> but so far... You know, um, I don't think many people could wake up every day and say that they love to go to work. I don't consider it work. I consider Mercy High School a, 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 a place of safety. It's a refuge. Um, and no matter the cast of characters who change, the student body changes, the faculty may change, administration may change. But Mercy High School is a very special place in the sense that you will feel fulfilled, you will feel loved. Um, and that will never leave you. And that's a very, very blessed opportunity. You know, and, and the fact that this young lady took that opportunity, I said, we are going to have a good time. We work <laughs> hard, we play hard, uh, and we love hard. So, love it. I love you, Mercy High School. <laughs> that's my message to you. I love you so much, and I miss you so much. And miss their hugs and their smiles and everything. That's the hardest part. Annie, you freaking crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was a blast. You want to do it again in a few hours? I got another one at 4.30 and then. <laughs> well, then there better be more squirrels that show up outside to entertain me. Because... <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you on again at some point, too. Maybe at the start of the school year. Yeah. Um, kind of when things get back to hopefully knock on wood. Yeah. Um, normal. That would be But nice. seriously, thank you so much. It was awesome. Well, Had a lot of fun. And yeah. you'll, you'll, I, got, I think you got a good shot of overtaking Greg's crown. You'll yeah. definitely beat uh, Mr. Serretta. Oh my God. That's not even a question. The Conti doesn't stand a chance. Well, man, you know, it, Mr. Serretta, he usually learns a lot from me. So he'll probably use this. <laughs> this platform to enhance his own experience on here. That's just what I do. I'm a giver, Dan. That's it. 
You heard it there first. Coach Serrata, challenge is on, baby. That is. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Annie Drury, and she leads with Empower. She's the dean of students at Mercy High School, just an awesome human being, uh, one of the nicest people, great supporter of what all the students are doing there, and uh, especially right now when the students are facing all these challenges. Couldn't, uh, couldn't hear from a better leader in my eyes. So thank you again for tuning in. Annie, kick some butt, be safe, be happy, be healthy, and we'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you, Dan. It's been an honor. Thank you so much to our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in. And always remember, great leadership looks, sounds, and feels different. However, there is a common thread that connects all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead, and they spend most of their time in their stretch zone. Not settling for that which is comfortable, because nothing exceptional was ever accomplished from comfort. Mm -hmm.